All right, so we have been in the book of Haggai, the book of Haggai, and for those of you that are, are new with us, visiting with us, um, you're probably going, is that really a book? Are you serious? It's right next to the book of Hezekiah, which is not really a book. I'm just playing with you there. Haggai is a book, so if you want to go ahead, grab a Bible. <clears throat> the words will be up on the screen. Um, however, uh, we love it when you can look in Scripture and look at what's ahead, what's behind, that kind of thing. And uh, as you turn, let me kind of recap. We're in chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 10 through 19 today. Um, and so let me recap real quick about what has been going on. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, we learn that God does still punish us and or discipline us for our sin. Um, now, this is important for us to know because a lot of times we can think, oh, you know, well, we've got Jesus, and so I'm good. But the thing is, we talked a lot about blessings uh, that Sunday, and blessings are something that God can, can hold back. He can, he can hold it from us. He can, uh, you know, say, listen, you have Jesus, you have salvation, but, you know, a, a bright, sunshiny day, that's a blessing, and I can withhold that. Uh, uh, anything having to do with your family, you know, I look at my kids, and they smile at me, and it just lights up my world. That's a blessing, right? There are so many little blessings in life, and um, this isn't meant to be a downer for your day, but God is reminding us that we need to fear him and not believe that there is no authority over us, okay? Uh, it's very important. So that's what we learned in the first week. The second week, we learned that God desires to be with us and to bless us. And then last week, we learned that God will encourage us when we obey him, especially when we obey him. Now, for those of you that are new to our church, um, as you can see, we meet in a uh, double wide, right, double shotgun house. We are a different congregation probably than what you um, are used to. Uh, I will throw out some questions and uh, hopefully get some response. Sometimes there's crickets. Don't let that bother you. We'll just push through it. Um, but for those of you that were here uh, last week, has anybody, has anybody read forward a little bit? I challenged it on Facebook yesterday. Anybody read forward? It's all right. We're going to read it today. Haggai 2, 10 through 19 is what we're going to read today uh, and look over and see what God has to say to us. Haggai 2, 10 through 19. Verse 10. It says, On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Now, if you've been with us previously, there are actual dates we can attach these to. This date is December 18th, 520 B.C. Now, is this exact? There may be a few days off, but it's pretty close, you know? I don't know if it's a Friday or a Monday or whatever it is, but it's pretty close to December 18th. Verse 11, 11 and 12. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. If a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? Now, raise your hand if you understand this. Come on, come on. Sebastian in the back, he's got it. Nailed it. Out of voice, Sebastian. Here's the thing about it. Sometimes you read these verses, you're like, what in the world? I'm moving on. 
right? Sometimes you read it and you just kind of like, hmm. Now the priest answered, no. They said no. So the priests obviously understand what's going on here. So here's what's going on. Through Haggai, God introduces a hypothetical question, and it, conter- it concerns the contact of holiness. The contact of holiness. And the question being asked here is, is holiness contagious to the third degree? Basically, it's what it boils down to. Is holiness contagious? So if I, if I am considered holy, I touch Zach. Is Zach considered holy? Holy? He's, he's holy to the second degree. If Zach touches Jerry, is Jerry holy? Right? Um, and so that's kind of what's being asked here. He says, it says, uh, if a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment. Now, let me illustrate here if I can. Let's say this meat has been placed upon the altar. Here, we better move this so everybody can see the, the, the meat being placed upon the altar here. Its aroma is rising to God. He is pleased with the meat. It has been cooked and burnt, and it is now consecrated. So, the meat is consecrated. Now, it says, if, ask the priest what the law said, if a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and that fold touches some bread or some wine, oil, or other food. So if I take it and I put it in the garment, the garment is now consecrated as well. It is holy. So, what? and here's the reason for this. You're like, this is all strange, right? This is very weird. There's a whole law system going on here. I mean, back in uh, the day of Moses, the law was given to Moses. Anybody, anybody know any obscure laws given to Moses? Anything? Anybody? Anybody? Just some obscure law. Outside the Ten Commandments. Don't eat ham. Yeah, yeah, the pigs, they're off limits. Yeah, Chris, oh, this is going to be great. Come on, Chris. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad you translated that because I didn't know. (laughs) No cheeseburgers. How rough would that be today, huh? Wow. Anybody else? Anybody think of something? Fish and milk? Something's not right about that? I don't know. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't remember that one, but the law is a whole lot more expanded. It, it, could, be, it could be right. When, when we think of the law, we think of like the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, we think, you know, don't, don't murder, obey your mother and father, all of you kids in the room, y'all, y'all remember that, obey your mother and father, that kind of thing. But the law was very expansive. And part of the law dealt with the, the rituals and the things that went on in the temple. And so, in part of the law, when, when the meat was consecrated, whatever the meat touched next, which normally went to the priests, that was how priests ate, basically. Whatever was left over after the meat was consecrated was theirs to eat. And so, therefore, it made them holy as well. But if it was placed in a garment, the garment was made holy. However, if that garment, you know, the meat's gone, and that garment comes over here and brushes up against Zach here, the, they asked, Haggai asked the priest, God asked the priest through Haggai, is Zach holy? No. Why? It stops at the second degree. That was the way God had set it up, and that was the law. Now, 
if you want the answers to all this, you can find the answer in uh, Exodus 29:37. It explains how the altar is holy, and it makes anything that touches it, the meat, holy. Uh, and then in Leviticus 6:27, the meat is holy, and anyone who eats it will become holy as well. So, so that's how that works, okay? So, so hopefully that kind of explains that a little bit, and it's not so, so weird. All right, now, the question is, does the cloth that is now holy make everything that it touches holy? And the priests say, no. Verse 13, then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priests replied, it becomes defiled. So, here we have... uh, kind of the opposite part of the law instead of being consecrated and holy it becomes something becomes defiled and we find the answer to to this and i'm not going to read it because there's some pretty gross stuff in there but uh leviticus 22 4 through 6 if you want to go back and look at it and might be up there on the screen but anyway you can look over it so the question is can this person who is the second degree of contact transfer defilement can, can defilement be transferred, transferred to the third degree? So, uh, I am, let's say I am defiled. I have touched the dead body. The dead body is the first unclean thing. I'm the second because I touched it. I come over here. Hey, Zach, how you doing, buddy? Come on. No, it's too late, buddy. I've already touched you. Here's the thing. He's, yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's, it's always rough on the front up, up here. He's, he's defiled now. And depending on the circumstance or whatever's going on, you have to wash yourself and you won't be clean, uh, clean, considered clean until later that evening or in, in seven days, depending on what you have. Leprosy could run rampant. Now, here's the thing. We know, uh, we know this by, by just natural human nature, right? Uh, for those of us that have kids, um, and somebody says, well, my kid's sick, why don't, but my, you can come on over. Do we bring our kids over? Like, ah, no, I don't think so, you know? And uh, so, like, I've got a letter for Zach here. If I'm sick, <laughs> come on, Zach, it's a Valentine's Day letter. It's, it's beloved, man. Come on. Be- beloved? No, belated. Belated, that's what I was looking for. De- defiled. All right. So, so that's the way it works. We understand this. If somebody has pink eye and they got pink eye from somebody or the flu and they got the flu from somebody, we don't want to be around them. It's contagious. We understand that. It's the same process and the same thing here. Sin is contagious is what God is saying. It is something that can spread. Now, these two hypothetical questions are posed for a reason. And if we go on and read, we'd be like, how does this all fit? Here's how it fits. Here's what God is saying. It's easier to fall into sin and uncleanliness in the eyes of God than it is to fall into righteousness. Now think about this. Sin takes no work at all. I mean, I, I can sin at the drop of a hat. You can too. You know, I, one of our old pastors um, back... Back uh, when we were at school, uh, he, he'd say, if you knew what was in my heart and in my head, you would never come to this church. 
And if I knew what was in your heart and your head, I would not want you in my church, right? We're all messed up. We all have got stuff. And so God is saying sin takes no work at all. We naturally sin. But righteousness and following God, that takes work. That takes some serious work. I know so many people who they go to church, they do the church thing, but they don't want to put in the work that it takes with a relationship with God. They're here on Sunday, and I'm not talking about our church, just in my 20 years of ministry. They'll be here on Sunday, but putting a, a... the work in for an actual relationship with God, the time and the effort that it takes, that's work. There's a lot of work that goes into that. And let's be honest, in our culture, there's so much thing, so many things that we can, you know, chase the ball and, oh, it's flashy, oh, it's cool, it's, uh, this is on TV. And we can just have fun. And we can just, you know, skate through our entire life without putting in the work. And God wants us to put in the work. God is not always fun. I mean, he's not. I would love it if he was. But he's not always fun. Here's how I know. Because sometimes he will challenge you. Sometimes he will refine you. Sometimes he will poke at you and prod you and say, this is what I want you to do. And it's going to be a tough little trial for you. Sometimes God is not fun. But if we just go with what's fun, then we're going to completely miss out on what God has for us on the other side of that challenge and that trial. And we will miss out on the growth that we will experience with God in that moment. And that's something as a, as a pastor, I don't want us to miss in our congregation as a whole and as a pastor for you as a shepherd, for you individually. I want you to take those challenges, even though they may be hard. This is the reason we're walking through the book of Haggai. This is the reason I wanted Chris to come up and and say a few things about meditation. This is the reason in our guys group we're walking through the book of Jonah, right? We went through all the cool stuff in chapter 1. For those of you that don't know, there's five chapters in Jonah. And in the, in the first chapter is when all the fun stuff happens. Oh, Jonah is called by God. Jonah runs from God. Jonah's thrown off of the ship. Jonah's swallowed by the well. And now all the guys are going, wait a minute. That's the story we know. What's left? That's where we get challenged. Because what's left is Jonah dealing and struggling with God. I'm not going to give it away anymore. Come to the men's group, guys. It's going to be cool. The thing is, most of us want to, and this is why, that, why we're going through all these things, most of us in our church want to put in that work. We're at that point in our lives where we're ready to start looking deeper and getting deeper with God. And so it is our love for Jesus and obedience to him that causes us to grow in that relationship with him. Now, verse 14, then Haggai said, it, so it is with this people and this nation that's the nation of Israel, in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now, for those of you that need to catch up, let me give you a catch up real quick. 
this book is about a house. It is about God's house. It is about rebuilding the temple. Uh, the Israelites have been, uh, they've been sinful, they've been evil, they've been bad. And so God has taken them from Israel to a place called Babylon, called the exile. And while they are in Babylon, Babylon is taken over by uh, Persia. And so the, Persia finally lets them go back home. And they've been back home for 18 years. And when they first got back home, they built the foundation of the temple. And so God here is revisiting and reminding them about the 18 years after they returned from exile. Because they just quit building the temple after the foundation. They said, we're good. They built an altar. He said, that's enough. He doesn't need a temple. He doesn't need a house. And so they were basically working on their own houses, right? In chapter 1, it says that they put up paneling. We're like, oh, paneling, 1970s, woo, you know? But for them, think about it. That's hard labor stuff. And, and, it, and paneling is actually an added layer on their walls. So it was, they were making their own houses real nice, and the temple was in ruins. And they were just being selfish. They weren't worshiping false gods. They're not killing anybody, you know. And so, you know, we were like, ah, what's the problem? I hear that all the time. And I'm not killing anybody. I'm not, what am I doing? I'm not doing anything bad. No, you're just being selfish. That's what I want to say sometimes, but you don't. You know, you just hope, you know, people get it on their own. Nobody here, all right? Nobody here, all right? But that's what's happening here. They're just being selfish instead of seeking God and his direction for their lives. And God says that the people in those 18 years, when they offered a sacrifice, were defiled. Now, the Israelites have been down this road before. It's very much the same process as we deal with today. Individual selfishness will start to corrupt families. Family selfishness starts to corrupt small groups. Small group selfishness corrupts large groups. And large group selfishness eventually starts to corrupt the nation. You can see that working in our nation today. You can see it very clearly. There are laws being passed that are completely against God and against his ways. I'm not going to get into a political thing here. But we've been going that way for a while. And you can see it. But if we turn back, just as Israel had already turned back, Israel turned back uh, earlier in the, in, uh, or later in chapter 1, they, Haggai said, build the house. And they said, let's build the house. Let's start following God. Why? Because they remember the exile. It's not fun. It's not fun being enslaved. <laughs> it's not fun being tortured sometimes. It's not fun being away from your home. And so they remember very clearly. And the question that they had to answer was, we're getting selfish. Do we turn back to God and follow his ways and not our own? And we saw last week that they did. And so in verse 15, God, God kind of changes direction, you think, but it all ties in. He says, now give careful thought to this, to this from this day on. He's saying, so, so you're here December 18th. 520 B.C., remember these things. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. So it's December 18th, and God is actually encouraging them. So August 19th, August 29th, God tells them to get to work on the temple. 
23 days later, September 21st, they started the work. October 17th, God encourages them and tells them not to fall to their own envy of Solomon's temple. Because Solomon had this really nice temple covered in gold. You've got a bunch of poor exiles here who are just putting rocks on top of each other. And they start going, eh, this temple looks horrible. This is nothing like Solomon's temple. God says, I don't care. I just want you to be obedient and build my house. And now it's December 18th, and God wants to encourage them again. So they have the foundation. So let's say, throw that up there, Matt. Let's say this is the, the foundation, all right? Got a nice little uh, Lego plate here, all right? And they have started building the walls, and they've got the temple. <clears throat> I've got three kids. Can you tell? Um, and so here's the Holy of Holies where God is all seeing, right? Woo. Right? He knows. And they started building. You know, they got some gaps here and here, and, and, but they're working on it. They're, getting it. they're getting it going. And he wants to remind them once again that it doesn't matter what it looks like, but also he wants to remind them what it was like before this was put up. He wants them to remember what it was like for 18 years before they started building. It was rough. God was disciplining them. Their crops weren't growing. Things weren't happening the way they thought it should. Why? Because they were selfish. And so he wants them to constantly remember their sin. This is a great reminder for us. We need to constantly remember our sin. It is so easy. Look how, look how long it took for them to start kind of getting, well, complacent. And it's only been two and a half months. How easy is it for us to get distracted, right? We're focused on God. I'm going to follow God, follow God, follow God. Oh, I got hooked on this new TV show, right? Oh, another episode of Wahlburgers is coming on. Woo, right? It's easy. God's saying, remember what it was like before you turned back to me on August 29th. Verse 16 and 17. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures... There were only 10. When anyone, and he's reminding them what it was like, when anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, hail. You did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Now, he was reminding them, listen, don't forget when you weren't following me, when you were doing your own thing, you went to go get some wheat, you thought this amount of wheat was there, it was only half. You went to go pick the grapes. You thought you'd have 50 gallons of wine. You only had 20. Why? Because of God. You went to go do some things here. It was full of mildew. You went to go do some things here. Hail had destroyed it. Blight had gotten to it. Bugs had gotten to it. Why? Because I destroyed it. Why? Because I was disciplining you. So these verses reflect verses 1, 6, and 1, 9, where God reminds them that he controls the uncontrollable. He controls the uncontrollable, and he is disciplining them. <clears throat> Maybe life is hard for you. Why? The very first question you should ask is, are you seeking God? Are you following his ways as described in his word? Or do you just want to have fun? Maybe you've got money. 
Or maybe it's an emotional or mental or spiritual or physical hardness in your life. Only you can know. It, listen, it could very well be that God is just refining you. But only a relationship with God and talking to Him and investing in your life in Him is going to help you understand the difference between Him disciplining you and Him just refining you and drawing you closer. They're very subtle sometimes. Verse 18 and uh, part of 19 here. It says, from this day on, from the 24th day of the ninth month, December 18th, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barns? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive oil have not borne fruit. So, I mean, we're just, it's like... God, we're building your wall. You're just beating us down. We got it. We remember, you know, that kind of thing. Now, notice what he points out here. He points out their entire diet. <laughs> the wheat, you know, uh, the, the wine, which is what they drank. Uh, you know, you couldn't just drink the water. You could, but you'd get Montezuma's Revenge and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it's just bad. The, the, the fruits, fig tree, pomegranate, olive, the olive not, not only was uh, food, but it was also medicine. It was uh, uh, some salve and ointments and things like that. And so God is reminding them again, saying, I want you to put two plus two together here. Think about this. Since you quit building the foundation of the temple, since you just left that there, and you started living your own selfish lives, how have your crops been? They've not been good. You could translate that to your own life. You know, your job or your family life. How are things going there? Is God working in you? And this was bad. They were hurting badly. And God's reminding them once again on December 18th, after he had already done so on August 29th, that sin... And selfishness is contagious. It is contagious. And he's saying, if you start getting into this cycle again, it's going to spread. It's going to spread. And so he doesn't want them to get this in their hearts. And that's the problem that we still have today. We, we start to follow God and we're going, we're going, we're getting into the habit. And then all of a sudden something gets there. And not only does it get with you, but it gets with your spouse or your friends, and it starts to spread. Sin is contagious. Righteousness is hard work. But notice what he says in the last part of verse 19. He says, from this day on, I will bless you. Why? Because on August 29th, they turned back to God. And on August 29th, they had a few bumps in the road. They started getting envious of Solomon's temple. God says, no, focus, stay with me. And he's going to do that with you as well. He's going to focus you and he's going to remind you and he's going to say, don't forget about what happened back before. Don't forget about what happened before you came to me. Don't forget about me. Follow me, follow me, follow me. And I will bless you. God blesses those who Fear him. And God blesses those who will work 
in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me clarify something here. Our salvation is not in any way based upon us doing and being. It is not based upon our works. It is based upon salvation from Jesus Christ who died on a cross and took our sins away. We did nothing to earn that. Nothing to earn that. That's just God's love for us. Think about that. That's just God's amazing blessing to us. We have to go to him and say, I want that blessing. I need you. But then after that, if you just bail, God doesn't have to bless you with the next breath. But he says, if you follow me, because that's what they were doing, I will bless you. I will bless you. To receive those blessings, we have to constantly remind ourselves of sin. We all have something different, right? I don't have what you have, and you don't have what I have, but we all have something, and it's contagious. But we want to get rid of it. We want God to purify us and make our hearts new. And when you put God first in every area of your life, he's going to take those blessings and pour them into your heart, and he's going to make you new. Sin is contagious righteousness and a relationship with Jesus Christ is hard. But it is so worth it. Father, I pray this morning that you will work in our hearts. It is so easy in our world to just have fun and to run from the hard things in life, even in our relationship, especially in our relationship with you. God, draw our attention to you when those hard things come, and we want to run, and we want to go have fun. Father, draw our attention to you and help us to remember what it was like before we lived with you, before we came to you. Show us how you bless us every day how the sun shines upon us, how the moon reflects the sun and, and reflects your glory, God. Show us how you bless us in the everyday little things, God. The smiles that we see on our children or our spouses or our friends. Make it known how you are involved in our lives in such great little ways. We praise you, God. We praise you for your blessings. We praise you for salvation through your Son. We don't deserve it, but you gave it. And we thank you for that. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.